Sports Next World Podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Thursday, October 28th. Happy spooky season, y'all. And I'm joined, as I always am, by my neighbor, Max. How's it going, my friend? I'm doing well. I'm tired. I'm four days into my first five days straight work week, which is definitely taking its toll on my body. And I'm starting to feel it like every time I get up from a squat or something. Uh, One more day tomorrow. Really looking forward to my weekend off Saturday, Sunday, which I haven't had in a while. Lovely, lovely. Just in time to catch a action-packed sports weekend. I'm sure yes, you're sir. feeling you're built now. You're just a, a unit. Man, I noticed it with little things like carrying groceries. I don't need to switch the heavy bag like back and forth from right to left like three times on the trip. It's just fine the whole way. Uh, Body-wise, no changes, but definitely a little stronger still the, like the weakest person on my crew though the wiry strength that's what you yeah got. that's it yeah <laughs> but like the two other people are north of 200 pounds and a lot of oh. that is muscle so i have like no ego issues or anything <laughs> well that's I, how i just i'm so curious as to how that works then when they're when you're distributing work uh, you you fall into a pretty good rhythm. It's not okay. like the really heavy stuff. It's like, yeah, you two have got this because it really also is an endurance thing. Like anyone can take one really heavy thing. It's more like if you've been yeah. doing it all day and then especially heavy one comes up, like up to task. It also balances out though because like I'm probably much better at doing like stairs nonstop. So I can make a lot more trips up and down quicker with like not too heavy stuff. So it balances out. Nice complimentary skill set there. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's, uh, that's what a lot of good teams need. And maybe that'll be the theme for today's show. I doubt it, but I'm not, I'm not opposed to shoehorning it in there from time to time uh, as we get underway here with our sports recap for the week. Not much to talk about since Monday uh, on the courts, on the fields, but we will do our best uh, as as we move through here. And we're going to start with a little bit of a football preview, uh, then talk some basketball and then some hockey, relatively short one again. But hey, maybe you guys like it better. Please let us know because I don't mind doing the longer shows, but it is easier in our lives if we're doing shorter blocks and and firing through these things and giving us more time to do other extracurricular activities around the podcast. So please let us know how you're feeling about the shorter shows. Receptive to feedback, but let's head into football. Thank you. Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right. Uh, Just about to get underway here with the Green Bay Packers and the Arizona Cardinals. Briefly touched on that on Monday. Really excited for this game. It's the, by far the best Thursday night matchup we've had so far this season. And it's a battle of teams that have a combined one loss between them. And offenses clicking two MVP favorites early in the season between Aaron Rodgers and Kyler Murray. And two defenses that have shown moments, but overall less effective than they would probably like to be at this point in the season. And uh, we'll see if if either one of those defenses can come through tonight in this game. It's it's really going to be about 
which defense can make a key play at a key moment because both of these offenses, you know, are going to put up a ton of points. Uh, so it should be really exciting to watch this one get underway. Heading into the weekend on Sunday, I had three matchups that I, I kind of wanted to touch on in greater detail than I did on Monday. Uh, the first of which being between the New England Patriots and the Los Angeles Chargers. This one is uh, a battle of offensive schemes in a sense. Both teams like to run, um, but but the defenses are effective against different components of the offense. In terms of New England's offense, they're really going to be looking to run the ball a ton. Damian Harris has become more effective as of late. He was my fantasy MVP last year, or last week uh, with his performance, and he's looking to build on that against a Chargers defense that has shown consistently that they cannot stop the run. A really effective thing that New England can really utilize in this game is they do have these two tight ends that they paid a great deal for in free agency and Hunter Henry and, and Johnny Smith. And if they are running out of that 12 personnel, the one running back, two tight end set, then as the defense collapses in in an attempt to stop the run because they've done so, so poorly, that's when it opens up your play action to the tight ends from that offense and, and looking to see if, if New England can really capitalize on that because they haven't used their tight ends as much as they probably would have liked to so far this season. On the other side of the ball, Los Angeles Chargers have a really dynamic passing game with Keenan Allen and, and Mike Williams and Justin Herbert, of course, um, showing himself to be an incredible player already in his second season. And the New England Patriots have a sturdy secondary not as great as it has been in previous years they've usually been in the top five in terms of secondary performance in the nfl the last few years not the same level and so they may be perceptive to this explosive passing game of the chargers uh, and they're really gonna have to lie, rely on their their key all-star players now they don't have stefan gilmore anymore they moved him to carolina so they're really missing that number one shutdown corner and we could see the chargers really feast on their wideouts and, and feast on the secondary. And again, up to the Chargers, how effective they want to be on early downs. But if they can do that, then they're going to roll. And I have the Chargers winning this one um, in, in a pretty healthy shootout. Is that the pass over run uh, value judgment? Essentially? Yeah. Yeah. The, your expected points from passing is just far greater than anything you can get out of the run, unless you have a really effective running team like the Baltimore Ravens. Our next game, the battle for the AFC South between the Indianapolis Colts and the Tennessee Titans, both teams on a run uh, Tennessee with maybe a higher level of competition on the run, defeating now uh, the Buffalo bills and the Kansas city chiefs in back-to-back -back weeks, huge statement wins for them. Derrick Henry, is breaking all sort of historical standards in terms of uh, the amount of carries and touches that he's received as a running back deeper into his career. He's an absolute workhorse, really, really impressive stuff from him week after week. And he's going to need to have another big one against this Indianapolis Colts team, which for now the third year in a row has started slow and picked up steam and their defense is starting to coalesce. Uh, the big, big difference in this game, I think, is, is the quarterbacks, where Ryan Tannehill has been consistent now for quite a few seasons. You never know what you're going to get from Carson Wentz. And Tennessee's defense, although it hasn't been fantastic, uh, they need to take advantage of the potential opportunities that will come from Carson Wentz trying to make every play possible. And that'll be the key in this game for the Titans. 
Moving on to our final game, battle in the NFC South uh, between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and New Orleans Saints. New Orleans eked out a 13-10 win against Seattle on Monday in an ugly, ugly game to wrap up an ugly Week 7. They have a chance now to have a statement win of their own against the defending Super Bowl champions. And in this game, it's going to be a, a matter of just two weak units going against each other. New Orleans receiver core, really brutal since Mike Thomas uh, basically stopped playing for them. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers secondary has been depleted through injury. Um, and so those two units kind of counter off to each other, which probably is worse for the Saints that they can't take advantage of a weaker secondary. So it'll be on Alvin Kamara really to do a ton of the workload. And if the Tampa Bay linebackers who are known for being quite quick, if they can't funnel him, then he's going to have a monster night. But that is, if, if that's what you're relying on for New Orleans, then Tampa Bay can really key in on him. And if you're focusing on one guy, it really shuts down a lot of New Orleans offense. So uh, that'll be the key matchup in this game is how they can contain Alvin Kamara. And then the other side, um, Tampa Bay has done a lot more to throw the ball so far this season, and that's been much more effective for them. Gronk is going to be playing in this game, which is huge. And I just think they have too many weapons against this New Orleans Saints team that's taken a step back from their usual standard in the past couple of years. And I see the Bucks winning this one by a healthy amount. So that is my preview for the top three games of the weekend. Uh, really looking forward to it. Less uh, high-value <laughs> options on, on favorites going into the weekend. The betting public has been really successful so far this season, and Vegas is looking to recoup some of its money. So be careful out there when you're gambling because there might be some inflated lines as Vegas is trying to really win some of that money back that they lost this last month. There's my general disclaimer. All right. Uh, we're done with Football Fan Cave, and we're on to basketball storylines here. And, and I had a couple notes on games that I was able to catch on Tuesday and then last night and a couple players that's really stood out to me, um, the first of which being the Los Angeles Lakers, who lost last night, blew a 26-point lead to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, but the game that I was able to catch a bit more of was their game against the Spurs on Tuesday. Uh, both of those games, Tuesday, Wednesday, were without LeBron James. Um, but a big, big performance from Russell, Russell Westbrook on Tuesday night uh, and got ejected the next night against Oklahoma City. And so the good and the bad here. Yeah, yeah, the good and the bad with Russ. He had a big night. So did Anthony Davis on the Tuesday. And they survive a, a Spurs team that, again, I hated not picking them in the West because they always seem to just compete, right? That's all you can ask from a team like the Spurs, like Oklahoma city, like a Toronto Raptors is that they're going to go and compete every night. And they got a lot of effort from DeJounte Murray, from Keldon Johnson, from Jakob Pertl, and then specifically from Lonnie Walker, who had an explosive night. Uh, he hit three consecutive threes there in late in the third quarter to swing the momentum towards San Antonio. The crowd was going off and what I really noticed from this Lakers team and alarm bells are going off a little bit. Cause I think they're now one in four to start the season. It might be two and three, but <laughs> is when things slow down for this team, they have very little in terms of perimeter defense. 
they don't have any sort of ball stopper. It's not Austin Reeves. It's not Westbrook. It's not Rondo. It's not Kent Bazemore. It's not whoever else you want to throw in there, Malik Monk, Kendrick Nunn, Carmelo Anthony. None of those guys are even average perimeter defenders, and you notice that. When the game slows down, if the Lakers can't score, where a lot of their spacing is brutal, it's LeBron with the ball, and then you've got Dwight Howard's guy, Anthony Davis's guy, you've got Westbrook's guy, Rondo's guy, uh, all clogging the paint. <laughs> and so they struggle a little bit on offense. Obviously, like they're going to work through it. They're just experimenting with all of these guys that they picked up in the offseason, and they'll end up being fine. But they struggle to score, and it's not that hard for teams to score on them. Anthony Davis is the only real plus defender on that team. And he's an incredible defender and will bring up their defensive efficiency and may mask some of the underlying troubles. But I think when it comes to playoff time, this team's going to really struggle to stop the ball when, when it gets down to it. Did check. They are two and three. Okay. And this loss to the Thunder, just like signature loss of probably the biggest one this season so far that's happened. And I'm seeing people saying like biggest Lakers loss in the last like 10, 15 years. I, I mean, a 26 point comeback just doesn't happen that often in the NBA, especially not to a team that was 0-4 to start the season. The Lakers fans are finally experiencing a, a little bit of medicine that Leafs fans have had to deal with night in and night out. It's only right that the curse be shared a little. Yeah. Uh, explosive game from Gilgis Alexander and Josh Giddy, and maybe some early signs for Thunder fans of what the future may hold but with a at this point losing after having such a big lead is 100% inexcusable yeah 100% Josh Giddy looks really fun he looks like he's settling in already something about these kids that come over from another professional league huh yeah they're, they're used to playing against grown men Funny how that works. Yeah, what a shocker. <laughs> I mean, there's that. And then you look at like RJ Hampton, who hasn't really touched the floor yet in his NBA career. So I guess there's always some good and some bad. Next game here, uh, the Raptors and the Pacers. The Raptors get a convincing 18-point win over Indiana last night. Uh, and the story of this game was the same as their Boston win. They were really, really active on defense and forced 20-plus turnovers. Um, I didn't know this, but going into that game, they were seventh in the league in defensive efficiency. For some reason, it, it felt worse, but I think I've translated a lot of their offense into their performance on the defensive end, which hasn't been nearly as bad and actually has been good so far uh, and something – for them to really look at and take as a win moving forward into the season. But this game comes in as a preview of the battle of the top two rookies on NBA.com's power rankings. Chris Duarte did have the number one spot because he has been off to a red hot start for this team and is already playing starting minutes on this, in this Pacers lineup. Uh, really, really impressive from him, but Scotty Barnes shone through man, 18, seven and seven with an exclamation point dunk off of a fake, dribble handoff and OG 16 points in the first half finished with 25 and five steals. Those two were the really big pieces of this Raptors team. And like I said, the 
they build off the defense with the link, and then you hope that one of those guys uh, or two of them have good nights because Fred Van Vliet also had a great night creating shots. But that this is going to be the recipe for a uh, for the season for the Raps. Yeah, I think ten rebounds for Freddie last night. Everyone contributing in somewhat surprising spots. Uh, I'll take a second, of course, to shout out OG the last three games. Uh, the offense returning to preseason form in them, his field goal percentage getting closer to that 500 mark, and all three games he's been over 20. So love to see that aggression starting to pay off. It does still come in bursts, though. I think those 16 points actually came in one quarter, not just one half, and then relatively quiet with nine points throughout the rest. Uh, I only caught the fourth of this where the Raptors closed it out. And as you said, the defense strong but just no big mess ups was what i was happy to see we were talking about that cursed city maybe all of that was hovering over uh oakland or oklahoma city that night and none left to bring to the raptors the other thing i read about after this game was nick nurse and fred van fleet both talking about the officiating so far through this season feeling a little looser than it's been at other points and their defense trying to figure that out uh, determine what they can and can't get away with and play within that system but that looser style they were both saying they think will be an asset to this team because as you pointed out their offense is best when their defense is best. Yeah, 100%. And that actually has been a big through line so far early on first two weeks of the season is the officiating. Uh, Max, I think this plays into your, uh, like your enjoyment of basketball. There's instantly so minimal in the amount of kind of ticky tack, jump into someone unnatural NBA movements. Those have all been wiped clean. Patrick Beverly got an offensive foul the other night for uh, starting to dribble up the court and throwing him from himself in front of the center uh, in order to keep the center out of the play as he was dribbling up something Chris Paul loves to do, but Patrick Beverly did it last night, got called for an offensive foul. Just lovely to see. Um, and, and a lot of people making the statement that James Harden is one of the biggest people affected by this and that may or may not be true but he has had a rough start to the season by his standards and it's going to be interesting to see how these players adjust uh they're already feeling the the burn of it and like you said the raptors with the length and size and aggression that a lot of these guys play with on the defensive end it's only going to help improve their defensive efficiency yeah, and just competitive advantage on defense for them means that anything that nullifies offense affects them relatively less than other teams, which is a big W for them. Um, the one other stat I had was I think this is the first season in like 10 years or something where offensive numbers aren't like up in the first two weeks. I can't quite remember it, but like scoring, the average scoring numbers is like down three points from where it was last year which is a huge first i'm glad you brought up harden i wanted to quickly touch on that nets heat game that occurred last night um just the box score kind of caught my interest because it showed pretty well a lot of what i thought each team might look like um the nets getting great results from kevin durant i think he had 25 points and like 
might have been in double double with his rebounding numbers. Uh, Harden, as you mentioned, weaker start, just like 14 points, seven assists, and the rest of the Nets team didn't show up offensively. Nothing supernova from the Heat, just consistency down the lineup. I think they had five, six players all in the double digit scoring, led by Bam, uh, Kyle Lowry, nine points, Jimmy Butler putting in like 37 minutes, 17 assists. Um, just a well-rounded team effort where they held their team defensively down and shared the ball offensively. I'm feeling good about this heat pick early. Yeah, solid for sure. Oh, look, I threw something in there that wasn't on the notes and caught you a little off. Yeah, I, I was, I was just kind of looking through here. I, I'm looking at the standings now and Raptors and the Nets have a, a similar record at two and three, and there are some teams here near the bottom that are unexpected, especially in the Western Conference. Like the Suns, the big surprise. Phoenix, I would say the Clippers as well, slower start, um, as well as the Lakers, all being below that that top eight, and then the Pacers and the Celtics and the Nets in the East starting a little slowly. But again, this is overreaction season. So it's easy to have these incredible key takeaways, uh, but typically things tend towards to regress towards the mean. Um, I had three players highlighted here. We'll see if that is also the case with them, but they have gotten off to fabulous starts uh, in different respects. Anthony Edwards, the number one overall pick and the second place vote getter uh, for rookie of the year this following season or previous season. He has started this season max averaging 25 points, eight rebounds, and three and a half assists. Uh, <laughs> nothing at all to uh, to sneeze at. It's It's been an incredible performance for him to start the year. And late last night when they needed him to get a bucket against the Bucks, he gets the and one on Chris Middleton. Um, he's just an explosive guy. At the very least, you know that he is – almost a guarantee to blow by his initial defender. You're always going to have to bring another defender to handle him when he's attacking from the perimeter, just with his explosiveness and his bounce and um, his ability to score from almost wherever. The thing that you look for him to take the next step is because he has other great scores on the floor with him and Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell is when they start bringing that help. Uh, is he still going to put his head down? Not against that getting fouls, getting contact, but also looking for the other guys open on the floor. And, and the Timberwolves were able to do last last night. Carl Anthony Towns with a big night. And they are three and one to start the season. Currently sitting the third seed in the West. Is this sustainable? Only time will tell, but I'm feeling good about my Timberwolves pick to start the year. Yeah, feeling like they should have been picked higher, if anything else. That was also a box score that killed me. Just Giannis putting up godlike numbers yeah. and uh, no one else on the Bucks doing anything while well, that balanced offense you mentioned from the Timberwolves all coming up big. Nice to see team basketball not dead, at least in the regular season. Yeah. Uh, next guy I wanted to talk about, not necessarily an offensive statistical uh, beast here, but DeAndre Hunter taking another step forward in his development. The amazing thing that is happening with him and that Atlanta really hoped that he would become is, is that 3 and D prototype that we saw Mikhail Bridges be for the Phoenix Suns in their run 
uh, last year to the finals where a lot of your offense stems from your guards. And then you have this big center rolling and protecting the rim. And you kind of just need that next complimentary guy who can knock down the three lively, shut down the other team's best player, and then do maybe a little bit extra for you. Like Mikel Bridges can do attacking closeouts and hitting mid range jumpers. And, and that's where Deandre Hunter is, is maybe a year away from, but you can already see the raw defensive tools. He is shutting dudes down and the way he's playing early on this season makes you really wonder about if Atlanta had had him for the conference finals against the Bucks last year, he looks to be about the prototype that you would want defending Giannis because Giannis tears up the larger, slower guys, and then just bullies the smaller, quicker guys. But Hunter has that length and has put on a bit of mass to almost match that body type. And he's a guy like last night, an incredible contest on Bradley Beal's uh, late heroic attempt as the Hawks walk out of there with a win. And he's going to consistently get the hardest matchup night in night out as he has to make up for some of the other defensive. I don't want to say liabilities, but minuses on that team with Trey Young, Kevin Herter, Bogdanovich, uh, Collins, even Capella is a rim protector, but not the best defender outside of that. Uh, hit with with Hunter and Cam Reddish, those two are really going to be relied upon to play the majority of the defense on the perimeter for that team. And he's started really well early in this season. You were going to stop at Young, but you named five of the players in depth one through seven on that roster. Good luck, Reddish and Hunter. Yeah, I, like I could go further, but we'll, we'll stop there. <laughs> um, all right, last guy. And a guy who has been now... He's the youngest old guy maybe in the league, and that's been for a while now. I think he's only 29, or maybe he's 30 now, but he's been in the league 12 years. Harrison Barnes, uh, an awesome start to his season on a team where there are a lot of young guys who want to get their points. Fox, Heald, Halliburton, Davion Mitchell. Bagley's not playing, but if he was, he'd be there. Rashawn Holmes is an offensively oriented center. Harrison Barnes has been the number one option for this team with good reason. He's averaging 27 and 10 to start the season. Um, Finally getting that usage rate and allowing him to shine how far he's come from being basically just a defender on the Golden State Warriors and a corner three-point shooter. Um, But he's really smart really high basketball IQ. That's why the Warriors loved him. And now he's getting an opportunity to really be a number one guy on, on a team that has started the season off really well. The Sacramento Kings as well in that spot are, 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 are two and two, but a couple of signature wins. And I think the big thing that's elevated his offensive game is the threes. He's now averaging eight three-pointers a game or just over seven. And he's shooting 51% on those threes to start the season again ridiculously high clip not sustainable but taking more threes elevates your potential in terms of scoring points and that's why he's up in the high 20s right now he'll probably drop to low 20s but still a really really respectable season and a great start for Harrison Barnes and again as Leafs fans we typically think that we're in a bad spot but sometimes you got to take a step back Sacramento hasn't made the playoffs since 2004 so this could be the year to try and break that streak because they're about to set history and Harrison Barnes could be a big piece of that. It's easy to see them 
in terms of trajectory as very similar to the Suns in being a team with a long playoff drought, accumulated a lot of assets, and it's just a matter of them all clicking in the right directions and ways. You even think about the Suns' bubble run before they picked up Chris Paul and wonder what kind of damage they could have done if they had been given a playoff matchup that year. 100%. Yeah, I think this team is missing a Chris Paul. But I think a lot of teams are missing a Chris Paul. He could help out every single team in the league. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. We are done with basketball. We are on to hockey. And, and before we talk about the, the games, um, I do want to quickly mention that it has been a pretty intense 24 hours in the NHL. Um, a shocking press conference by the Blackhawks organization and the details leaked from the report that was made public uh, by Brock and Jenner, I believe was the the law firm. Um, I just want to take a quick moment to say how incredibly brave I thought Kyle Beach was for talking on TSN last night. And like I teared up multiple times in that interview is an incredibly powerful interview. And and if you haven't watched, I recommend you go watch it. incredibly courageous stuff and I just want to send my support send our support as a podcast here to him um incredible guts and everyone is behind him looking to to have this move forward and now making the turn into the game now I was pretty shocked that it actually ended up happening and that the fans weren't a little more uh raucous in the arena with regards to to letting that game go on but it goes on and sitting there as a Leafs fan, I was going, if there's one game you guys got to win, it's this one. So, yeah. So no surprise when they go down to nothing? No. And, <laughs> yeah, I, I got to be honest, I turned it off at that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was, I checked the score and had no interest to turn it on. But we both got a pleasant surprise in the morning, eh? Yeah. Three backhand goals. Uh, one from the captain who really needed that one. Marner getting yes. a much-needed point. David Camp, revenge game, <laughs> scoring against his former team. And then Wille on the breakaway, buries it. That's a big one for him as well. And hopefully this creates that little jump in the legs that they need moving forward now as they can turn away from this four-game losing streak and start to pick up the pieces as they uh, move forward into this long stretch of the season. And winning solves everything, so they just got to do more of that, right? The Tavares goal really stood out to me. Just as a, It feels like so often they do all the right things and get some like ridiculously wide-open play and manage to miss or have like a highlight save happen with freakish regular occurrence. Yes, I'm still in that camp. Uh, But I love the Tavares goal just because it was excellent play in an average opportunity that opened up a goal. And that's what your star players are supposed to be able to do. Make something out of relatively less something. I'm not going to say nothing. Uh, it was just really nice to see those go in. Yeah, big one, and hopefully something to build on. Huge save for Campbell as well. Uh, I 
from minus that one game against Pittsburgh. He's been a huge bright spot in this season and really hopeful and happy to see that keep going. Unfortunately, we need to rely on him more than we'd like to with Mrazek yeah. being out. But uh, again, this is he's this is his best opportunity he's ever going to get to be the number one guy for a consistent amount of time. And he's going to play a whole heck of a lot of games more than he has ever played in his career. Um, the other two guys I worry about right now are Muzzin and Hall. They've looked slow to start the season and not as in sync as they've been our shutdown pair previous couple of years. I think you got to give them a little bit more leash to figure it out. But after that, it might be good to inject a little bit of youth with them um, and, and splitting them up maybe with a Sandine or uh, moving a Riley and Brody around. I'm sure you can find another effective combination there. Uh, but hopefully those two guys could turn around. My hope is that they're kind of saving themselves early in this season because they've put a lot of miles on them, uh, the last couple of seasons with the amount of penalty killing that they do and, and taking the brunt of most other teams' top lines. Yeah, guys who have played at that level that have been in their 30s, you really don't know when the expiration date is. It often can be a momentum thing. As long as the team is playing well, they manage to keep up with it. And then once that dip happens, it never gets below. So let's see some momentum, boys. Yes, sir. We'll be cheering them on. Same as ever. And that's it for this one. Uh, again, relatively short one, but they're good. We're, we're buzzing on these ones, really knocking stuff down and able to dive in deeper. And uh, enjoy the football game tonight, everyone. Enjoy the football this weekend. Max, enjoy your weekend off. Yes. You'll be off at the same time as everyone else, which will be good. Uh, and uh, So there's like 25 millimeters of rain for Saturday. I'm so happy. Perfect. You just get to stay and play 2K all day. Get that build up. Grind nice. that VC. And also watch a bit of UFC 267, hopefully. Didn't put out a preview for it. I think if anyone's been listening month to month, the interest has clearly dipped for me, but it is a stacked pay-per-view card, and I am looking forward to it. Awesome, awesome. Next time we speak, everyone, it will be Halloween. So happy spooky season this weekend. Stay safe, uh, but enjoy yourselves, and we'll be back to chat with you on Sunday night. Take care, everyone. Looking forward to it. Sports Next Door signing out.